7 Studios. You are listening to the Lounge J Radio Network. Here I go. Here I go. 7 Studios. Sponsors at Episource.com. I am reading, I'm reading from their blog. So Eric Simonson, who's the chief operating officer at Episource, has this fantastic blog on healthcare. We're gonna to start to feature Episource more. We've been talking about the partnership. If you if you listen to this show, you hear the drops. We we really consider Episource to be our partner, especially with the Urban One media conglomerate that we're building and one of the things that's real cool I'm very careful of of who I I endorse with my brand my brand means a lot to me especially as a person that's and remember when I when I talk about this I ran a health plan I've been in charge of of nine and ten figure budgets in Medicare Medicaid ACA employer groups I've had to sit in these board meetings and get absolutely crushed by CFOs. I pulled millions of charts and done hundreds of thousands of in-home assessments throughout my career. And I've worked directly with Episource and their team. So I, I believe in Episource personally. I don't endorse companies who I don't believe in. And Episource, from an analytical perspective, Combined with what they're doing from a chart retrieval coding, they add a lot of value. And most importantly, they have a team of innovative people. And this article is kind of the epitomizes that. So I'm trying to do, if you're listening on WVOL, if you're if you're if you're on the Beltway, on the Capitol Beltway listening to this program, or, or you're in Nashville listening to this program. You may not be, from an in-consumer standpoint, someone who's really into the lingo for, for managed care and healthcare, but, but the innovation and strategic approach are very important because healthcare, healthcare is 20% of GDP. Everybody listening, you're impacted by, by what's going on. So you have great, you have great groups like Episource and, and leaders like Eric Simonson. And a COO role is very important for a vendor, Episource supports so many different health plans. And it's Eric's job to make sure that the trains run on time. To make sure that whatever outsourced products, because people bring in an Episource or some of these other fantastic vendors, to supplement areas of need so that they, they can ultimately provide better patient care and better data management and better analytics Ultimately, so if you're on a Medicare plan, a Medicaid plan, an employer group plan, that there's better better data so that end users can have a better experience with their provider. So I'm reading from Episource.com. It's the title of the blog, if you want to look it up, is Risk Adjustment, the Best of Both Worlds, Balancing Retrospective and Prospective Strategies. Now, I'm not going to go into a long tangent on risk adjustment because I don't want everybody listening to, to turn the dial but I am going to weave in and, and, and try to break this down into layman's terms 
so that people that are end users can understand how these programs work. So I'm, I'm quoting Eric. With $1 trillion in risk shifting from payers to providers over the next few years, many in the industry are moving from a retrospective to a prospective approach to risk adjustment. This is especially true for the ACO and DCE providers who are often unable to support retrospective programs due to timing or claims editing constraints. For these organizations, the shift of traditional Medicare to value-based care arrangements must absolutely be accompanied by a shift to prospective solutions. While retrospective and prospective strategies represent different sides of the same coin, the goal for both should be understanding the health of your patient population and predicting how that will evolve. Prospective strategies should be your first line of defense, ensuring full and complete documentation of a patient's risk at point of care. Retrospective strategies should be your last line of defense, verifying provider coding accuracy and compliance and capturing any gaps in care or unsubstantiated codes by using both approaches you'll have a much higher chance of accurately documenting your risk across patient populations. But of course, the the question is, how do you find the right balance? And the answer that Eric states is, is one size does not fit all. Now that's very well written and very accurate. So I wanted wanted to pontificate on that a little bit for for the end listeners, because you're not, you're listening to this and you're not necessarily into the ins and outs of risk adjustment, but basically companies like Episaurus, they, they come in and they help provider groups and they help hospital systems and healthcare organizations to ensure that documentation is accurate on, on, on your health, especially in, in Medicare Advantage. If you're a Medicare person, The federal government is different than on commercial insurance. The federal government will reimburse health plans as long as they're able to verify a member's chronic condition history. And Episource really helps companies and healthcare organizations to do that. So think about it in this way. We all go... Let's say that you're diabetic. Let's say that you have hypertension. Let's say that you're an oncology patient, but you're going to the provider because you're out running and you broke your ankle or you slipped and and you sprained your wrist or something like that. You're usually going into the provider for an acute issue. You're going in there because you have carpal tunnel syndrome or, or you got a sprained wrist or something like that. Knee pain. Provider usually only evaluates you for what's going on immediately. They're not looking at your history of diabetes. They're not looking at your history if you've had uh, alcohol or or drug issues in your past, but really if you had mental health issues, but really what companies like Episource do, they're a part of the healthcare continuum and they partner up with ACOs and DCEs and they partner up with provider groups to ensure that you have a full panoramic view of what's going on with, with, with yourself or, or, or with your loved one. Everybody has a risk score and that risk score, think about if you're a newborn healthy baby, that risk score is going to be really low. If you're a hundred years old, that risk score is going to be really high. And by proper documenting what's going on with your healthcare history, you're able to get an accurate risk score. It's not about getting a higher risk score. 
that's a misnomer that that a lot of people think that it's about getting as many codes as possible to get a higher risk score. It's about getting an accurate risk score. And if I know that someone's risk score is 1.3 or 1.7 or 2.1 or whatever, there's this model and every every condition that's out there is an algorithm and, and very serious conditions like HIV, obviously way heavier on the risk score than just something like benign hypertension or something like that. But there are two ways to get the information. So in a perfect, and this is important to to those listening, in a perfect system, you go into your doctor, they treat the acute issue, they also ask you how you're managing your chronic conditions. You're in there for 15 minutes. They do a full workup. They send you to get labs, whatever you need. Everything goes in on a claim. And the claim system bills you out and the data flows in. And all of that data gets to the centers of Medicare and Medicaid services. Sometimes that doesn't happen, though. That doesn't happen for many reasons. It could happen, A, the doctor may not actually get all your information. They're focused on the broken ankle and the pain, and they're focused on the pain management. And they don't check to see, hey, how are you, how are you hanging in there with your heart failure or whatever's going on? So they don't get a full understanding of of a member's health well many of us don't go to the doctor enough myself included and Isaac comes in to talk about that all the time David Meyer comes in to talk about that all the time if you don't go to the doctor you're not getting a full understanding if you have chronic illness and it's manifesting it's getting worse especially for those that are elderly sometimes you have claim systems that don't get the data from point a to point b Healthcare can be a very difficult and circuitous business at times. So there, there's the ideal way is to, to get everything on the claim. You go to the doctor, point of care, you get everything knocked out. If you're not able to do that, there's this, there's this program called chart review, and that's what's retrospective risk adjustment is. You go out and pull charts on a member. I know that, hey, I didn't get it from a member when they came in for their doctor's visit, but they went to the ER and when you're in the ER, you get coded for everything. If you have a hospital stay, you're coded for everything. So I go out and I pull the chart on a member. I go directly to the EMR. Well, think of it this way, those listening, like I said, not the, not the healthcare experts, not the executives, not the suits. But you need someone to actually go and get that data. You need to make sure that the data is transferred properly. You need to make sure that the data is accurate. Nobody wants to have conditions in their history that, that are not true. And hospitals are not core competent at managing the data. And health plans are not core competent at managing the data. Health plans are really here to create the highways, so to speak, so that if you need an endocrinologist, if you need a cardiologist, if you need a podiatrist, if you need an oncologist, you can find a network of people that can service you within your zip code or your county or your state. So, Core competency is important, right? It's just like asking Apple. They're great at making tablets and watches and stuff like that. If you asked Apple to make a car, and I know that they want to get into that business, that's not what they're core competent at. So they could make a car. It would have some bells and whistles, but they're not as great as making cars as Toyota or Nissan or, in, or in my case, Porsche. 
So you bring in companies like Episource that will go out and get charts, that'll go out and do analytics, that'll go out and do predictive analytics and, and manage help patient populations. And ultimately, these vendors, when they have a synergistic relationship with the health plans, they're able to be the eyes and ears of these health plans. And they're able to actually help the members to get more accuracy in clinical documentation, better risk scores, accurate risk scores. And ultimately, the more accurate the risk score is, the health systems understand the revenue and the cost that will be associated with the member. So they're prepared for you. Someone who has a very low risk score, they're not going to need as much clinical support as someone that has a very high risk score. And that's kind of a way of, of breaking it down. And Episource in this blog, like I said, I would, I would advise you to go to episource.com if you're interested in reading more about this. It's a lot of fantastic stuff, but health plans are moving into more of a prospective, meaning that we want to get everything on the claim. I want to get the member in. You guys driving around listening. I want to get you in for your annual healthcare checkup and get all the data at one point so that we're managing your care properly, especially if you have a chronic condition, especially if you're a diabetic, especially if you're morbidly obese, especially if you're an oncology patient. And if you're able to get everything at the point of contact, you're in a much better situation. And that's what value-based care is. I think the next time we'll talk more about value-based care. Value-based care is, in essence, where hospitals, provider groups, health plans, they say, you know, we care about the member. The member is the most important thing in this picture. What can we do to share the risk, share the cost, share the outreach, share the strategy, but to make sure that we have the best encounters for members, that we're managing their health, and that people are having the best clinical outcomes in a longitudinal perspective. Meaning that people are living longer with kidney disease, people are, are ambulatory, people are not suffering the, the effects of, of diabetes, neuropathy, people are not losing their eyesight, People are living longer because they're getting cancer screenings and they're detecting early stage cancer, stuff like that. It all rolls up together and, and Episource is one of the, the market leaders in, in making this happen. So that's, that's, that's a, a fantastic blog. Go to episource.com and you'll see a lot of great writings from, from Eric Simonson and, and Episource team. And, and, and we'll be talking about this periodically. It's, it's, it's great to, to bring this to the table. Send us some feedback about that. Reach me out, uh, DM me at Paragon 7 Studios on, on Instagram. Because we're going to continue to talk about healthcare because it's so, it's so important. And I think we do it very well. But we want to bring these, these questions and, and these comments and normalize it. So, uh, so yeah, d- definitely check out Episource.com. We'll be back with more of the Lance J Radio Network after these messages. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. But at the same time, like I said, and me, you know, I'm 56 years old. Damn! James Lewis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. It feels so good to be cared for Back up now, just a little more The feeling someone's always there Just to show how much they care The feeling you're not alone Now she's a part of your home With so much 
much to protect each day. Caring goes a long, long way. Nationwide is on your side. This is your boy Rampage, first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Learn more about group insurance benefits with Engaging Health. Call to speak to an advisor today at 832-219-5829. Tell them that the Flatbush King sent you. At Industrious, we don't want anything to get between you and your great day. That's why our private offices and suites come with everything you need to safely connect with your teammates in person or over Zoom so you can make every day a great one. Go to industriousoffice.com. Enjoy a great day at Industrious on us when you book a tour at industriousoffice.com. Black women are fierce, brilliant, courageous, dope. Black women are making a difference, making history, and changing the world. I think about all of the black women who have showed up to fight for justice. We are starting to finally accept all the skills and talents a woman can bring to the table. Urban One, thank you. This one is so special. the main ingredient which was the second album from Pete Rock and CL Smooth it's birthday was earlier in the week so it was on it was on the 9th of November it was back in 1994 how crazy is that that the main ingredient is is 27 years old I remember 1994 and I remember where I was in 1994 that that was my first year at the Pine Forge Academy and I talk about I talk about Mecca and the Soul Brother all the time on on this show and I talk about how I listened to Mecca and the Soul Brother the tape backwards and forwards I, I listened to it over and over again I've heard if I had if I had one album I said to Kendrick Lamar to Pippa Butterfly I think it's the best album that I've ever heard in hip hop but but that's there's a difference between best and favorite so one of the best meals that I had was that was a couple of nights ago I was at Merchants in downtown Nashville and the macaroni and cheese at Merchants and they should give me a sponsorship deal the macaroni and cheese at Merchants in downtown Nashville in the New York Strip Steak, that's one of the best meals that I've had in many years. It was so good that I almost choked eating it because it was it was it was so delicious that that my that my senses and body couldn't process the the endorphins that were going on in my mind from eating that slowed my system down 
to to where I was struggling to 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 chew. And if you're, it's one of those, it's one of those newer strip steaks that you don't even need any sauce or any seasoning beyond that. It's just, it's just perfect the way it is. And you had the toasted Brussels sprouts, which I'm a big fan of to get some greens in. So that's why that's the best meal that I've had. That doesn't mean it's my favorite. I can only do that twice a year. My favorite meal is to go to In-N-Out Burger and get the animal sauce. That's my favorite. Best merchant's favorite In-N-Out Burger. That's an inferior eating experience, but that's something that I can have probably too much, but it's something I can have whenever I want to have it. So Mac and the Soul Brother is my favorite album. I don't think it's the best album, but it's my personal favorite that came out in the early 90s as I was just getting into hip-hop music. Mecca and the Soul Brother. The first Diggable Planets album. Heavy D and the Boys. Blue Funk. These are albums that really influenced me. Of course, uh, Tribe Called Quest. Low End Theory. These are albums that really influenced me as I was getting into hip-hop, understanding what hip-hop was. And then Public Enemy. The, the militant, fight the power, the militant black man, S1Ws, Terminator X. And then I got into Dr. Dre and, and, and the profane side of, of hip hop and, and, the, and at that times the, the, the shucking and jiving and tap dancing side of hip hop, which, which we all love. I mean, let's just be honest. We love seeing Jay-Z pour Cristal on women on a yacht. It's not right. It's not good for the culture. It definitely doesn't represent Urban One, Radio One, the stuff that, that, that they're promoting, but, but we all like that. We all enjoyed that, and we all consumed that. But back to the main ingredient. That was such a slept-on album. I wanted to talk about it briefly. Uh, main Ingredient was a fantastic album that Pete Rock and Seal produced. And I think Pete Rock, there are a couple of groups. I think that Outkast, they left everything on the table. They gave us a lot of great albums. And it's hard to keep when you're when you're 13 and 14, you think that Outcast lives together and that they're the best of friends. And you get older, you realize that it's business. And you got one member, you got Andre going in one direction, you got Big Boy going in another direction. You realize, rest in peace, you realize that Fife and Q Tip didn't get along. And but you feel you feel that Tribe Called Quest, they left us with like four great albums. Even the Thank You for Your Service album was a was a fantastic album. Put out great albums. EPMD, they fought, they put out great albums though. They got like four great albums. But you feel that NWA, they're about an album or two short. You feel like NWA, when Ice Cube was coming into his prime, and Dre was coming to his prime as a producer, you think about Dre the Chronic. What if Dre used those chronic beats and it was an NWA album with Easy E, had he not passed from HIV? And instead of having RBX and Lady of Rage, no diss to them, but you had Cube on there and you had Ren on there, how great would the chronic have been? So you feel like NWA left the album or two on the table and you feel like Pete Rock and CL Smooth left the album or two on the table. Pete Rock's production on the main ingredient in many ways is better than his production on Mecca and the Soul Brother. And it was just a fantastic album. We're talking about the soulful production P-Rock and CL split up. They did their own thing. P-Rock's been on this show. I've ripped P-Rock for some of his beliefs about vaccinations. I don't, I don't agree with some of, the, some of the stuff that he puts out to Stratosphere, but as far as their producer, 
man, that 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 boy is is a genius. And I don't use the word genius lightly, but Pete Rock is a genius. And uh, after Main Ingredient, he got into some darker stuff. He was working with I and I, and he's getting into more some dark stuff. Peace Trimentals now. I love what he's doing with Peace Trimentals three into more live band like the roots getting away from the sampling and all of that good stuff. But, but wanted, wanted to give, we'll talk here like periodically wanted to give main ingredient, their flowers, man, it's a great piece of work. And I can't believe it's been 27 years since that John came out. That's, that's unbelievable. Back to sports. So a couple of days ago, you had the college football rankings come out and I've talked about the college football rankings ad nauseum. I've talked a lot about expectations and, and talked about my, my Ohio state Buckeyes. So right now people are pontificating. I say that people manufacture the news, not report the news. I, I, I listen to the radio all the day, all day, every day. I hear a lot of news manufacturing. So the college football rankings are Georgia one, Bama two, Oregon three, Ohio State four. Oregon beat Ohio State at Ohio State early in the year. C.J. Stroud, freshman quarterback, second start, playing against a, a very talented team. I think Bama both and Ohio State are wild cards. I don't know what you're going to get from them. Bama didn't look that great. We, we assume that Bama's always the second best team or the first best team in the country. And they, they are 99 times out of 100. This might be the one time where I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to them in the Iron Bowl. I don't know what's going to happen to them when they play Georgia. I think Georgia's probably going to mollywop Alabama this year. Georgia's defense doesn't really give up a lot of points. I think they're giving up about five or six points a game. Problem is, Georgia is playing a bunch of tomato cans because Florida sucks. Vanderbilt sucks. This is the SEC East. Florida sucks. Vanderbilt sucks. Tennessee sucks. Kentucky is solid, but they're, they, they don't have NFL athletes. Georgia, Georgia's got NFL athletes. So is Georgia great or is the schedule weak? We'll have to find that out. I'm just not sold on Bama or Ohio State this year. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do in a big spot. I don't know what they'll do in a neutral field. They got a lot of freshmen. Both of those teams have a lot of freshmen playing. I'm really not sold on Oregon. Oregon lost to Stanford. Oregon still has to play Utah. But the bigger conversation I wanted to have was people are manufacturing the news about how the college football playoff needs to be expanded. I'm looking at them like they don't need to be expanded. Why do we need eight or 10 teams? I'm looking at the top four. Georgia's real good. I'm shaky on Bama, Ohio State, and Oregon. Why do we need Cincinnati? Why do we need Coastal Carolina? Why do we need all of these sisters of the poor schools to get an opportunity to get beat by 50 points on national television. Why do we need to get Notre Dame into the mix? We know what Notre Dame is. We know that Notre Dame beats the, the mid-tier competition. Anytime Notre Dame plays Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, or Clemson, they get thrashed. Lance Day Show. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.
At Industrious, we don't want anything to get between you and your great day. That's why our private offices and suites come with everything you need to safely connect with your teammates in person or over Zoom so you can make every day a great one. Go to industriousoffice.com. Enjoy a great day at Industrious on us when you book a tour at industriousoffice.com.